Dear Shooter, do you have a box of gear that you bought thinking it would solve all your problems? Of course you do, because we all do. It is that time again for annual spring cleaning. What about those guns you regret selling? Everyone has that one or six, so maybe don't get too carried away on that spring cleaning. Is there a unicorn out there that you've always wanted to have but yet to find? Maybe make a little room in that safe? Careful, shooter. There are going to be tough decisions ahead. It's not about protecting the stupid. It's just, it is what it is. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a self-identifying llama. <laughs> and it, it's, it's because I oh. have a quick temper and I like to spit. You so. are not safe, and you are not sacred, and you're both liars. We're talking about firearms, y'all. I keep it clean. <laughs> I can hide one under there. One what? I don't want to know. I look like I got ran over by a paint truck on the way to Sherman Williams and then backed over by the short bus. You know, let's talk about the modern trends and transsexual transitions. <laughs> Welcome to the Deer Shooter podcast. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTech, empowerment through self-reliance, and by Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. Well, that music usually means it's Thursday, and I, there's something supposedly going on this weekend, I heard. Where? Uh, Vegas? Vegas. Oh, yeah, that uh, sport thing, you know, Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, my commercial session. Yeah, is that where I get to kick the baseball for a field goal? And Who's playing? I don't know. I mean, quite honestly, they lost me when they stopped standing for the flag and the national anthem and all that. But seriously, who's playing? Dude, I just go to the party for the food and the drinks. You don't even know, do you? I have no idea. I don't either. And and honestly, I used to go for the commercials, but they've sucked lately, too. Well, they're releasing them in advance now, so there's no anticipation. Oh, that's no fun. No. So what is it? It's 49ers and Chiefs, I'm guessing? I think so. I heard, I heard Taylor Swift is going to be there. I thought she had a concert in Japan. I think oh. she has a concert. Maybe oh. they'll maybe they'll zoom. <laughs> She's gonna zoom in, so so the Chiefs don't lose. But isn't the boyfriend like keeping it quiet because he has no idea where Japan is? It <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. At least at least his mom isn't in the stands wearing a split jersey again this year. Oh, that's funny. I they did that. Yeah, yeah. She did because. Uh, her sons are on different teams, and they were both in the Super Bowl last year. Huh. Well, good honor. Right? That's impressive, actually. Yeah, there's some genetics there going on. <laughs> but I, before we digress too far, I, this is this is a, a gun podcast, right? Supposedly. I I mean, Allegedly. We're going to talk about all the shit you've accumulated. Oh, God. Not all of it. I mean, we don't have that much time. <laughs> We don't. I, I I need to like order one of those crates, the the shipping container, the pods. Yes, something. Put the it offsite all in. storage guys. Right. Some of the stuff deserves to be put in a box and buried, like a time capsule, maybe. Or burn it. Museum pieces. Is that what we're talking about? I don't. I don't think they're good enough to be museum pieces. Maybe it's all that, in it's, Ripley's. Believe it or not, it might be that. Wow, this was actually a product. I, over the years, I have picked up some stupid shit. 
it sounded good at the time, and the guy was a really good salesman. And next thing you know, I've got like mosquito mesh net sunglasses. Right. I'm not kidding. Those things exist. Well, and I think I think a lot of it comes down to like you're you're trying to solve a problem, and the first thing you see that you think might work, you pick it up because the price is right, and then you get it home and you try it, and it sucks. Holsters are a thing. You are like a, a fanboy of holsters. Mm. You have several for the same gun, and none of them quite ever really make it onto your hip. Well, that's because I don't carry on my hip. Well, point taken. He likes to carry under the belly bulge. Hey, keeps it tight and concealed like they're re- supposed to be. Rename the appendix or something. <laughs> No, but I, I and I think anybody that's that's been shooting for any amount of time has that box of holsters. It's kind of like derelict. I have a shipping container yeah. full of stuff exactly like you're talking about. Yep, holsters and slings and optic mounts with all kinds of technology in them. Mm-hmm. Um, you have an entire room full of gun parts that you pass by. They've collected more dust. Every now and then, I need one, and I'll pull one out, dust it off, and use it. When you're building a gun for a not-so-much friend. <laughs> Maybe. Sometimes it's just because I got tired of looking at it and I have extra parts. But sometimes you're right. It's for somebody that I don't going to see again, probably. Right. Well, I think I, I kind of go down this road, number one, because um, I recently made a purchase, and it was a, um, it was a med pouch. And even though I, like, I was reading the dimensions and everything looked right, I got it, and it was like twice the size that I thought it should have been. Well, what was in it? I mean... There, it was nothing in it. Like, it was just literally the pouch. I put my own med gear in it. You bought an empty pouch? Yeah. You know, they sell you those with completely loaded kits now. Yeah, and they're $400. I can do it way cheaper than oh, that. Oh, no, no, no. The, the ones I'm talking about, like, nineteen ninety five, but none of the stuff in it you can use. You, oh, like, yeah, it comes with that TK4, like, elastic tourniquet that they thought was a good idea yeah, the last in 1982. One I had electrical tape and safety <laughs> pins. It was not good. Might come in handy if you're stuck in the forest. Did it have tampons? Back to size on those things. <laughs> you have to, that's a whole pouch all to itself. Well, if they're going to put the tampons in, they need the pads, right? Oh, that's just a big pressure bandage. Can, can you just... Uh, can you get, don't they sell tampons in like a multi-pack? You can get like all different sizes and flow rates and. They do. <laughs> but no one needs the but one they put the most of in it. <laughs> all right. So medical guru, answer me this. Why did they not embrace some of the adhesive that the, the, the panty liners and shit like that has on it for medical pressure bandages and stuff? It would keep it in place. I, I can't tell you that they didn't. Well, none of mine have adhesive on them. On your pressure bandages and stuff? Yeah. Well, yeah. What are you going to adhere to? You're putting pressure on the wound. Well, you, you just stick it in the spot while you look for the bandage to wrap around it. I mean, it's a temporary stopgap. Well, you, you usually tell the patient, here, hold pressure. Right. Have you have you seen me with a paper cut? I do. Nobody's telling me to hold shit. <laughs> I'm the biggest baby when the red stuff stuff comes in on my skin. I I lose my mind. Well, just remember, everybody stops bleeding eventually. That, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to take a while with a paper cut. You didn't see me paper cut. You could, you, but you could probably fix that with a paper towel and duct tape. 
I've done that. I, I think we all have. I mean, anybody listening, if, if you've cut yourself, you're a liar if you haven't done that. <laughs> and if you need a paper towel and duct tape, that was not a paper cut. Well, I cut the end of my thumb off of the table saw, and that's how I went to the hospital. That's not a paper cut. And you made my brother pick up the rest of your thumb outside. <laughs> you want someone who lost their mind? I did do that. I totally did that. Is he out there yeah. with, like, vice grips? Well, he was like, he was like oh, it'll be fine. He just, you know, shaking his hand before, it'll be fine. And he picked it up. He said, it's not okay. He put it right back down. <laughs> I oh. saw the tip of my thumb with a whole bunch of sawdust on it because he dropped it, like, nine times. Oh, God. Yes, it was not usable. <laughs> <laughs> so you made yourself even shorter. Yeah, well, one hand. <laughs> yeah, I did. I totally did. We call that pun-sized. <laughs> but that conference room table's cool, man. It is cool. But, uh, yeah, so that that's kind of what put this in the forefront of my mind is I'm like, really? Because I, I already have one of these, uh, one of these uh, pouches, and, and I thought I was buying the identical thing, right? Nope. So somebody knocked off the pouch and got the size wrong, and you jumped on board because the price was right. Well, no, it wasn't even a knockoff. It was the same brand. Um, Inline change. It, uh, that's what I'm thinking. Huh. So, yeah. Um, it, it, even after being in this crap for over a decade, yeah, I still do stupid shit. Well, we all do. I mean, it's not isolated to you as much as I'd like to make you think that it I is. Know. Well, part of the problem is it, 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 we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. We were talking. Um, it, it's the online shopping thing. You don't actually get to hold the damn thing in your hand before you buy it. But that online shopping is like an addictive drug. It's, it's, I'll tell you what, Amazon makes it too goddamn easy. They do. They do. Well, let's talk about because of the positions you're both in, not just what you purchase, but what people hand you. Hey, this is something oh, I make. Try yeah. this. Yeah, there's a lot of that. We, and Well, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said, hey, it'd be cool if you made this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then some guy comes out of the woodwork and has that and sells two of them. If, if you had a dollar for every time I said, hey, it'd be cool if you made this. Usually your stuff usually has a reason for being done, but um, the cost prohibitive nature yeah, of it is just retarded. No, I get it, but I got to keep feeding you with the ideas because, you know, time marches on and you got to come up with new stuff. Yeah, nobody wants a target that emits jello. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> right? I never, I've well, heard I, that one. I, but yeah, but the zombie guys did it. They had, oh, they had the targets Uzi that, targets. The Uzis. Yeah. You remember that? Yes, I yeah. do. They lasted about 18 months and then they were gone. <laughs> what did we see? It was the, how oh, is the magnetic Hold your glasses onto your... No, that was this year at SHOT Show. Yes, that was... Some of the stuff that... No, but you haven't tried that yet. I haven't. But I have shooting glasses, and I don't usually use over-the-ear ear protection. So it, well, what was it about this thing? I mean, it was it, iPro, obviously. Right. Some fancy ear pro. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of pigeonholing you into using their ear pro. Right. Um. I mean, well, because magnetically, the Air Pro you own right now, will anything stick to that? No. See? No. I mean, it, 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 hey, smart business model. They're, you know, they're taking the Apple model that, you know, if you, get the, if you get the Apple phone, then you have to get the Apple watch to talk to it, and then you have to get the Apple AirPod things to be able to listen to uh, it. I mean, it's, they, they do. They stick you. 
into you have to stay in this lane. Look, look, look. Don't be hating on the Apple gear. Here's the thing. <laughs> the the PC Wintel crap box stuff is the most proliferation of computer technology ever made. And Apple is like the fat girl at a dance. She has to get along with everything. <laughs> So just because it's a better model, don't be hating on the the fat, the fat girl. Oh, I, I, we're still gonna hate on it. You just you, you you be quiet about it, so nobody hears you whisper in a corner. Yeah. Well, they do make things easy. Apple has done an incredible job at doing that. If more manufacturers of gun stuff would just make things intuitive and easy, you'd be better off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, what's the rise of the striker fire pistol? Oh, God. They made it easy. Well, yeah, and since it it, it started with Glock. Right. And it it is so ubiquitous now. Right. Everybody's got a striker-fired pistol version thereof. I mean, folks that are not known for pistols came out with them this year. Savage. They're making a striker-fired pistol now. Right. It's not in their wheelhouse. Nobody expects a handgun from Savage. No. No, but But we'll see. But they got one. We'll see. And, well, and I, I think everybody has a version of, they have their, their own Glock 19 clone. Yeah. I, I, what's funny is that Glock 19 has become the Kleenex Honda Civic of the gun world. It has. Yeah. But, it, you know, the thing about it is it, it's a solid shooter. And, and even the clones, you know, people, people sit there and hate on them because, well, it's not a Glock. It's not real. It, it, it's kind of like the AR-15. It's debunked technology. It, the, the patent ran out what a decade ago. Everybody is making one, and they're they all work. They all work. So, isn't that the philosophy of Lucid Optics? Doesn't build the Me Too. Correct. And then everybody's building a Me Too in the handgun world. Right. And look, I have a Glock too. Look well, at me. Well, and how are you going to sell that? Everyone sells one. They well, co- it's a race to the bottom. Exactly. They're competing on price point. Yep. Um, you go out and you buy a Glock 19. You're looking at 650, average street price, right? All the clones are in the four to 350 range. Mm-hmm. I mean, PSA started it with a dagger a couple of years ago. I, I, okay, don't get me wrong. No hate on PSA because I, the stuff that they come out with it works. It does, and they own who they are. They're not yeah. trying to tell you they're. Anything really super fancy, right? And there, and and I, I, I've, I've used several of their stuff. Hell, I, I have a precision build that's on a, a, a PSA lower. Now the Aero World's a little different. It's, it's still a mil spec lower. Still, but it, you know, people sit there and they'll they'll look at that gun funny because it's it's PSA on the side. That's They're right. like, really? But then they shoot it, and yeah. that six arc is dead on. It, only a, a fool would believe that the lower has anything to contribute. Right. To the accuracy of that firearm. But one of the things that, that PSA did that it, I was really kind of disappointed in was when we first saw the introduction of the dagger. We saw it at shot, I don't know, four years ago. Yeah. And they had some really cool versions of it. I've never seen one available for sale. They're starting to produce some of that custom shop stuff. Yeah, because they're coming, they came out with a saber. Well, they, they tried to run it out of the gate, um, and it didn't run. Mm-hmm. They didn't quite have the gun engineered right the first time, and their first set of parts didn't actually work in the gun. So they backed up, went back to basics, as they should have, and they're starting to release more custom versions of that. They're going to get to that five years ago dagger that you saw. <laughs> it just might take another five years for them to get there. Yeah, I was kind of excited about it because they, they changed the grip angle slightly, 
which to me made it more comfortable. Um, Glock's always had kind of a weird grip angle for me. Um, but the whatever PSA did to that, that, that fixed my issue. And they were just cool. They were slide cut. They, were, they had all of this stuff. They were ported. They looked. They just looked cool. And then they, when they actually got it into production, it was like, wow, that looks like a 1984 Glock. Yeah. So they, they put a lot of lipstick on a pig to get your interest. <laughs> Did a lot of things that a lot of gun companies are doing the exact same thing. Uh, and you saw it this year, the rise of the lever gun. Yes. Right? There's a lot of variants on that out there in the market right now, more so than there's ever been. Um, things that were never designed to be in a lever gun platform, 9 millimeter. Right. So are we now talking about guns you're getting rid of? Oof. I, I hate getting rid of guns. I've done I it. I do too. And it, it hurts my soul every time I let one go. Because quite honestly, if I keep one for more than a year, I have an emotional attachment to it. There's a reason it's in my cabinet, and it fits a specific need of what I'm doing, whether it's a test platform or a range toy that I really like playing with. Um, I hate getting rid of them. And I've got a handful that it hurts my soul that I did let go. But I've ended up doing that over the years myself. But you still have one that should go. I do. I'm sure you do. That should go? Yeah. Um, no, not really. I mean, I'll... Well, God, hard decisions. Knock it off. <laughs> no. Right. You need to make room for that unicorn. I do need to make, well, I need to make a little room in my safe. I don't have a whole lot left. I just need to buy another safe. But it, that, that, yeah, that's the proper solution. Right. There's spring cleaning shooters. There. Buy another safe. But I. It's a great way to spring clean. I have two that I've sold that I regret. The, the first one was I built an SR25 clone. Right. And it was a shooter. I loved that gun. Um, I ended up selling it. God, the guy that it, 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 the guy that I sold it to was really just hot into. He wanted to get into precision, and honestly, it was a gun that I just didn't shoot that much when I when I went out. It because obviously it was chamber three hundred eight, and angry bumblebee. Here I am, but. Given the choice, I would reach into the safe and I would pull my bolt gun out nine times out of ten, mm-hmm. and I just went, eh, I don't, I, I don't shoot it. But the guy that you sold it to, he was enamored with it. Yes, had to have it. Yes, made you an offer that was almost in the ridiculous. Not quite ridiculous, but definitely more than I had into it. And you sold it. I did sell it. And you made enough budget room for what was your next purchase? Uh, that was actually my first M&P, the, the Smith & Wesson M&P. And, and for whatever reason, I have fallen in love with the M&P series. I think somebody molded my hand when I was in my sleep. So you made an upgrade for your own personal use. I did. The only valid reason to sell a firearm is to make room for another one. And the only other one that I, I really regret selling, I had a Springfield M&P. Loved that, that 1911. I mean, just in, in if I ever find one that's similar to it, I'm probably going to buy it. Out of nostalgia or out of need? You use that word. Mm-hmm. Um, Intentionally. It's not a need. It's a, I want it. I liked it. Nostalgia. And You want and it back. I, I do want it back. And, and, and the fact is, I, I'm starting to go, especially now, I'm starting to go more events and things where 
I need something pretty on my hip. You want jewelry. I do. God damn it, I'm on your hip. Well, you're on my arm. <laughs> so there's a difference between eye candy and jewelry. Yeah. Firearms industry doesn't now, know that. Well, that is true. <laughs> that is true. They've gotten better. Now, I mean, you're right. It, it was a decade ago, and then they were still hiring um, strippers to hand out catalogs. Right. Um, they've gotten better about that. Well, there are certain Gun people bunnies that, are not a marketing strategy. Right. There are some people that still uh, use that strategy. Well, you, you, you Taryn. Yes, you can oh. go directly to the, <laughs> the the moral compass and or of the Now, the, the, the difference between Taryn's gun bunnies and everybody else's back in the day is Taryn's gun bunnies actually shoot guns. And they do it well. They do do it well, and I don't want to go down this road because this will take up the rest of the podcast. But, I, I mean, <laughs> Taryn is Taryn, and I think our feelings are pretty well known about him. He's carved out a niche in the world. But you're right. That's probably a, a digression on the podcast. Yeah. That, 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 I'm all for rabbit holes, but I don't want to go down that one. Fair I, enough. I, I don't want to have to take a shower. Don't put your ding-dong in the ho-ho. <laughs> Sorry, Taryn. Especially when she's underage. I mean. Sorry, Taryn. This is <laughs> this has really gotten weird. <laughs> so, but, yes. So you've you've sold guns to make room for new guns. I have. Right? Um, I had a. I had a Remington Sendero that I bought as a 300 Ultra. And I didn't like the Ultra cartridge because, well, it knocked the dog crap out of me. So I rebarreled that thing into a 26 Nosler. Mm. And that was my death stick. Everything I pointed it at died and went home and went in the freezer. And a guy talked me out of it about two years ago. And I kind of regret selling that gun now. Kind of regret? I want to punch you in the face. I kind of regret selling that gun. That. Again, it was the death stick. Everything I pointed at died. Well, I had started down a project road, and Brandy ended up with the gun. Because it was meant to be. It, Duh. It, it must have been. Well, so your color has stereotypically been red. Uh, usually. And you go and buy a chassis, and it shows up, and it's blue. It was electric blue. It was Which pretty. Which is Brandy's color. It's blue. Mine. It always is. has been. You knew this going into the whole deal. Uh, I and I think I think maybe subconsciously I knew it was going down that path. And then you found out your barreled action didn't fit. Yeah, well, the, the the action fit the chassis. The problem was is the magwell wasn't milled out enough for the long cartridge of the 300 PRC. Right. So it was inappropriate for your build. It was. So then it cost you another build because then you had to make one for Brandy. Mm. I sat here and watched that whole thing develop and giggled the entire time watching it happen. I, that's one, though, I can I can confidently say I have no regrets. No, fair enough. That that turned out to be a really fantastic gun. And he didn't buy a whole lot of parts for it because, you know, when you have that gun that you're not really using anymore, which you don't really want to sell but you're not using, you repurpose it. Sure, and you did that quite well. And you turned a, what was it, a 300 Norma into a... No, a 6.5 PRC? It was a 300 PRC, and, and it was a lightweight hunter. Oh, it was a Bergera. Right. And and I thought, okay, cool, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this into my hunting gun, right? And I took it out to the range, and it knocked the crap out of me. I mean, it knocked the wind out of me every shot. And I went, nope. Yeah. If a gun abuses you, send it down the road. Yeah, but mine was repurposed, too. Oh, it, it 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 was. I mean, we took that we took that action. We rebarreled it into a six five PRC, and and it is a shooter. 
So, so you don't have to sell everything. Things can be repurposed. Yeah, you can work them around. That's right. Maybe you need to make your unicorn. Well, I, I'd i like to. Um, my unicorn's a little harder to make. Yeah, my, my unicorn. i got to get the base rifle first. Right. And, and Why is your unicorn hard to make? Is the horn a little short? It's, it's a lot short, actually. Um, I've been closer to the firing line. The guide version of the Marlin Dark um, for a long, long time. Uh, they've, they've had production issues. They didn't deliver them. Um, and they've gone back to a standard version of it, which is nice. Don't get me wrong. But the, the short-barreled Marlin Dark and 357 is still the one I've been looking for for years now. Um, that will be the one I build the suppressor ready and the, the M-Lock 4 ends and the all the modular portions to the stock. And Just shut your mouth. i got to go get a napkin now. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's going. When I do build this gun up, it's going to be righteous. I'm going to tell you about my unicorn. But first, we're going to talk about some whiskey. All right. The 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirit Company, based in Vail, Colorado, high up in the Rocky Mountains. 10th Mountain is a tribute company to the legendary 10th Mountain Division maker of fine spirits including bourbon, rye, and vodka, as well as being a generous supporter of the shooting sports and veterans charities. Support those that support us, and to make it easier, 10th Mountain is offering our listeners a discount. Just enter Deer Shooter at checkout for 10% off. 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirits Company, whiskey worth fighting for. Wow, and I timed that break just right. You've never watched somebody pour whiskey faster in my entire life. Well, you know. <laughs> if you would have been smart, he would have just brought the bottle over. I don't need the bottle. You need the 10th Mountain during the commercial. I do. Well, he, he had to scramble over to the, the bar and get it. It was kind of fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, we were talking about unicorns. Yeah. I have my unicorn, and, and you have the perfect site for it. Um, what I would really, really, really like to build, anybody that's seen the movie Black Hawk Down. Yes. Okay? There is a Mini 14 version in that movie, and it is just cool. I want to recreate that. That's doable. Yeah. I mean, your unicorn's a production rifle augmented just slightly. Yep. It's it's not hard, but i got to find the damn rifle first. Nobody's got the these Mini things. Mini 14s have been kind of hard to find lately. They're out there. Um, but you got to find the period piece from Somalia. Well, and and you know what? Even if I could, I could find a modern one. I could I could do the modifications to it. That's not a big deal. So I tell you what, though, anybody out there listening, if you got a Mini 14 you want to sell, get in touch with me. There you go, guys. <laughs> He's uh, offered to uh, pay you cash and a probably a goat if you show Ooh, up with the Mini. I got just the goat for you too. See, <laughs> that's my goat. Well, it's a goat. You won't miss him for very long. <laughs> but, and, and I don't know. I, I, I bet I could go through my safes and I could probably find at least one gun that I might be willing to part with. So maybe we can do a trade. Wow. I went through my safe a couple of days ago and I, I kind of like everything that's in it still. So, nope. I... I'm not going to say that I don't like everything that's in there, but I'm I'm at that point, I'm at that stage in life where I have multiples of things. Ah, okay. So, so I, I can see where you'd let go of a duplicate. Yeah. Sure. 
and that that's where I'm kind of going with that one. All right, so what's your guilty pleasure? What do you absolutely have a hard time walking by at a gun show? What's your duplicate generator? Ooh, that's tough because there's there's a few. I mean, I love precision rifles. Okay. Um, I like the bolt guns. I really do. Uh, ARs, I'm kind of the point I can walk by them anymore. I have a saturation of them. Yeah. Yes. And and it's not that it, it's not that I don't like them. It, but it's just I have mine, and they're just the way I like them, and I. I don't want to start over. I've got pretty much every configuration in most chamberings that were ever offered. So I, I, ARs, I'm set. I'm saturated on them. And you don't want to raise a new child. I mean, we're past that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll build one. <laughs> but I don't know if I want to raise one. Practice makes perfect. Yep. Yep. <laughs> wow. Well, and you're, you've had, what, 20 years of practice? Uh, as at a minimum. Yeah. A very, very easy 20 years of practice. Yeah. For me, it's... A quality 1911. Mm. I have a hard time walking by um, something that has been gone through. You know, Dan Wesson, um, Les Bear. Uh, I am a 1911 junkie. I don't care if they're the the, the ultra compact or commander size or full size. I, if it's been worked through and gone through by a Smith, you can just feel the difference in one. It's I, magic in your hands. I walked away from one last week and it was hard um it was a kimber of all things all right that's um, not your favorite gun it's not but you make fun of mine all the time i do but i also knew what its purpose would be and it would be just like you it'd be the jewelry but it was a uh, kimber riptide oh those are nice oh it was nice uh, the tolerance is really tight though they like to be clean they do you so both are lying a little bit because I've seen you both drool over a staccato. See, that's a different animal, but still 1911. It, it, it is. Me drooling on that same side of the fence, it, it's not out of character. That one just happens to be really driven on a super nice spring kit and a great trigger, and it has double the ammunition capacity. So, yeah, I, I'm a fan. I did like the staccato. Um not enough to pay that kind of price. I'm price sensitive on stuff like that because I can't walk by them usually. Well, really, that's uh, it's more of a competition. It is firearm. definitely a competition and firearm. It is. Yep. yep. I mean, where we do some competitions in pistol, we that's not our thing. Our pistols are used for other means. Oh, here. it'd be totally a range toy. And I, you know, I, I've got old man's disease. My pants fall down with a little bit of pressure, so it's a hard thing to strap on them. A 1911 with a whole bunch of ammo because it's heavy. Your pants don't have that far to fall. It'd be okay. I'm, I'm almost in suspenders. Well, yeah. you know, Tack Rig's got a solution for you. Yeah. Ask Rob how that works. <laughs> he lost his pants. <laughs> you don't even need pants. Well, They've got a belt system. I mean, it's cool. It was a total fail, though. Rob's pants fell down. He didn't know. He was he was making the point. He didn't need pants for the to, to use this system. See, that's not the point I got out of seeing the photo with him without pants. Well, maybe I was misled. I don't know. I thought he was concealing something else since <laughs> I could see the gun. <laughs> it was cold in the basement. Uh, sorry, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Well, I'm broke. No, totally. Train of thought's gone. Yep. Well, they had a visual of your mentor without any pants on. So we're talking about things to throw away. <laughs> wow. wow. All right. Okay. 
and the gloves have come off. Yeah. So so okay. Back to staccato. Um, yes, staccato. Uh, if you have the budget, buy one. It, absolutely, they're great pistols. Um, and I think, I, I think staccato really kind of. We talk about all the time, like you can have the absolute uber best gear in the world. It's a, it, it's not necessarily going to make you a better shooter. But I think at a, at a certain point that good quality, well built, well running gear, it it may not make you the better shooter, but it's going to help you push your ability because things work right. Could make you fail faster, whatever. Well, that too. I would offer that there's an aficionado side of that discussion. Um, a newbie is not necessarily going to recognize and appreciate the finer details of a staccato. Right. And, Where and a pistol shooter that has done tens of thousands of rounds downrange and had lots of them in his hands, when he hands on one, those nuances come alive and they, they you do. appreciate them better. Uh huh. So, yeah, I think there's nuances to be appreciated from an aficionado standpoint. Right. But I think I, I think you do have to reach a certain level, and 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 like you said, you you've got to have a number of rounds under your belt, a number of guns under your belt to to appreciate a well built gun. I agree, and you run it out and buy in one. Great, you have a nice piece of gear, but your mechanics may not be up to speed to handle that gear the right way. Which okay, and that that brings me to something that really has kind of bugged me lately. Um, and this really came out when we were walking shot. Uh, so many of these rifle manufacturers now are coming out with these uh, sub MOA guarantees. Okay, um, how can you do that? And I I understand why. And and yes, the gun may be capable of it, but they are assuming no variables. And I would agree with that. The thing about the sub-MOA guarantee, everybody here listening needs to understand. While the equipment's capable, most shooters that I've had at the bench over the years in a training situation, hunting situation, are minute, minute and a half shooters. Mm -hmm. So if the gun is capable of it, just because you don't produce those groups when you go to the field with that gun doesn't mean that the gun's got a problem. Right. And that's that's where I I kind of wonder. I like I want to know what these guys' warranty departments look like when when they're getting people calling up going I, I'm a three inch group. Well, you know, and and it may not. Okay, you, you're Are you shooting offhand in the wind, right? But <laughs> well, there's that. But like you say, most most people and and most people are casual shooters. I would say probably somewhere between seventy and eighty percent of of firearms owners are casual shooters even hunters they they're they're not putting thousands of rounds down range every year correct they're, they're just not so these companies are assuming that the shooter's capable of sub-minute accuracy they're assuming the ammunition is capable of sub-minute accuracy i mean we see that all the time with the classes and stuff that we do somebody shows up and they they couldn't get match ammo, so they got you know a, a hunting cartridge that the the gun just doesn't like. That's a good point. The gun doesn't like it. Mm -hmm. Now each barrel is different, and you can have consecutive serial numbers, and out of those, you'll have two or three that do not shoot that same group of ammo. Right. Well, and don't forget the ammo has different lot numbers for a purpose. Absolutely. I mean, different lot numbers can be a slight different. With all of the variables in rifle accuracy. Um, it's a pretty safe line for the gun manufacturer to say it's a half-minute gun. 
with a quality barrel, quality ammunition, and a decent shooter. Right? So with all those things as the holy trifecta, yeah, you can say you got a half-minute firearm. Right. Most firearms are half to quarter-minute firearms. Well, yeah, with the with modern metallurgy and manufacturing and, I mean, just the tolerances that we're able to achieve now and, and the consistency that we're able to achieve now from gun to gun to gun, I, I, I would agree that most guns, and, and even probably 20 years ago, most guns were capable of sub-minute accuracy. It depends on whether or not you can hold it in the same place every time. Yeah, you just... Operator excluded, yes. We're talking about the equipment, and yes. I think most of them are half to a quarter minute machines now. Yeah, but you've got so many other variables that you cannot control as that gun manufacturer. Agreed. Which is, which is why I've always kind of wondered, like, why are we able to prosecute gun manufacturers for misuse of their guns? I'm not sure how you made that leap from... Sub-minute accuracy to a, a litigious mindset. Knock it off. <laughs> I don't know. I made the... I agree with you. Don't get me wrong. But, wow, I don't know how that fits in at all. Well, uh, y- you've got... Well, it doesn't fit into the topic, so whatever. <laughs> well, no, I... Okay, so I, I, I made the leap by... Okay, I can... As a manufacturer, I can claim that my gun will do this. But if you go misuse it, how am I responsible? Well, you're technically not, um, as a manufacturer, responsible for the use of the tool. Um, and we're talking about a moral high ground in criminal activity, for the most part. <laughs> and we deviated from the, 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 the accuracy guarantee and a warranty pers- perspective. But um, So bringing it down to a level, the other day you were putting shelves in the bar. Yeah. And you pounded a nail with a hammer. I did that. Cricket up into the shelf, and it... Bulge the shelf. I, I totally so do you that. sue the nail company or the hammer company? Ooh. Actually, it was my glasses for drilling the hole crooked. But, yeah, it, totally my fault. That was the all operator. Stop taking responsibility. But that's that's not I'm the world saying. we live in. Sorry, it's not fashionable. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was all me. But it, but it goes back to, you know, keep blaming the gun. You mm-hmm. know, we that, that that's kind of our motto here. And I... <laughs> Mostly because we're poking fun at people. We, we are. But at the same time, I, I kind of poke fun at these manufacturers for making that claim because I think they're just setting themselves up for disaster. Yes, but they're monkeys, not ours, right? True. At the other end of the day, they, they, that line sells guns. It does. And they will tell you that you buy my gun, you'll be a better shooter. Right. That line sells guns. It, and their customer service department, yeah, they're busy. And you get what you pay for. Again, that line sells gear. Right. Every day, all day. Right. It's wrong. It, it is. I have sat at the bench, and I did it last um, August, with a guy that had a Ruger American. A $350 firearm. Good gun. Yeah. And next bench over was a Gunworks $7,000 gun. Mm-hmm. Tuned optic, tuned ammo, right? That guy couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. He was minute of earth, put six-inch groups together. He was frustrated all day. Mostly because he was frustrating to watch shoot all day. But <laughs> the guy with the Ruger American, $350 gun, he was half minute all day with Winchester ammo and went from 100 yards out to a mile without a hesitation. With a little bit of coaching, he got there just fine. Okay. So the dollars he spent on gear do not reflect marketing lines and policies and guarantees of accuracy. No, because what does my sex creed? Ruger Precision. 
Yeah, it's your twelve hundred dollar gun. We've ever put in it. Well, it's eighth minute accurate. Right, not an expensive gun. Not an expensive gun. And I'll whoop your ass with it every time. Every day. Every day, all day. And and it's because we painted it blue. Might be because <laughs> it's blue. Yeah. There it is. And 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 we've seen it. And the the Ruger Precisions, they're when they they're a twelve hundred dollar gun. They're not even that much. Yeah, you can probably get them cheaper now. Yeah. But I, I remember when they came out, they were they yeah, were a thousand to twelve hundred bucks. Yep. You you've got you've got a six hundred dollar optic on top of it. Yeah. All right. A mid level optic. Sure. You know, yeah. Because you you run an L five. Yeah, that's yeah. about right. Okay. So you've got, and 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 you've got a fairly decent bipod on it. So let's let's call it an eighteen hundred dollar setup. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're going out and competing with people that have ten grand into their rig and beating them. And competing well, yeah. Definitely competitive. I'd hold it in the same place every time. I but it, the point is, I've, I've seen hundreds of those precision rifles at the bench. Mm-hmm. And they all shoot. Every single one of them. Savages up out of the box, every single one of them. Ri- Remingtons out of the box. Pretty decent rifles. Remingtons that are customized. Decent rifles. Um, the gear is good. It comes down to shooter, guys. It does. At the end of the day. So you don't have to spend the money unless you're trying to look cool. Ninety uh, percent of the money spent is because, oh, hey, look what I got. Well, and, and I, so, and and I and I wish I could remember the original guy that said it. I, I I heard this from Michael Bain one day, and he said that eventually, it it all comes down to fashion. You you can only shake up the market so much before now it's just making things look pretty. I completely agree with that. Watching the market for 20-plus years now, I would completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I guess the moral of this is you, you don't have to go out and mortgage your house to get gear that's going to do the job. Correct. Absolutely correct. Sure you do. It's a dick measuring contest. I mean, look at the trucks. <sighs> yeah. Compensation. You you men do that with guns. You do that with vehicles. You women do it with purses and shoes. You I do. don't carry a purse generally. You're not typically woman. And I don't wear shoes if I don't have them. <laughs> As she sits here in her socks. Yeah, fair enough. But I, I don't know. I I guess I. <laughs> I think the half minute guarantee is safe. It's a it's a marketing play and it's a safe play. They're going to get some customer service. But that's another point of contact is, with, the, with the with their customers. So how, how do you ha- how do you handle that? Well, every time I have an issue with someone, send something in. There's nothing wrong when I look at the warranty. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm like, you can call them and try to explain it, or I will send the email that says you're stupid. You're wrong. Now, we don't have an email that says you're stupid. And if you do, you will delete it tomorrow. (laughs) But (laughs) there is a lot of times that we get stuff in on a warranty type of discussion where there's absolutely nothing wrong with the gear. And it's either a misunderstanding of how it should be used, um, what their expectations are, of how it is supposed to perform. Um, Most of the time, it is truly a frustrated moment, and they have to blame something. 
And that's not just us. I mean, everybody. Well, yeah, everybody in the that. industry, yeah. whether it's firearms, optics, everything. Everybody they has get that. those calls. And, that, and, and I guess that's where this this whole thing just kind of got me because I, I I see all these oh it's a half minute guarantee you are gonna sh- you are gonna be a half minute shooter if you buy this gun and you're not because you are not a half minute shooter and when they have to field that customer service call that's got to be delicate. It is. How about if I you bet. have enough education? And practice, you can be a half-minute shooter. I, I well, agreed. But imagine, you, if you will, guys, we deal in optics, right? And a lot of the times, the issue is not with the optics. It's with the operator's eye. Yes. So the worst conversation you can have with a customer is, I'm sorry, you need your eyes checked. That's Sounds tough. kind of rough. But, it, but, but that's the conversation we have on a daily a lot of the times. There's nothing wrong with the product. There is... Something that you look at from an astigmatism side of point, which is a failure of the eye. It's not in the optic itself. We have that conversation all the time. Well, I, I, I had that we, it was four or five years ago at Summit. One of the, one of the guys that was there, he was, he was shooting your little mo. Mm-hmm. And when he would close an eye, everything was, would line up and be great. But as soon as he tried to shoot it both eyes open, he saw a starburst. Mm-hmm. And I, I flat out asked him on the range, I said, do you have astigmatism? Well, yeah, that's the problem. And he came to you mad at me because I called him out on it. Correct. His fragile ego could take that he but might then have his the problem. wife said, why didn't you wear your glasses? Yes, that happened. Yeah, she was fantastic about troubleshooting what he was going through. And he didn't wear his prescription glasses and he needed them. <laughs> and again, male's fragile ego, right? Right. Um, so, yes, your your half-minute guarantee, they're going to have tons of customer calls on that because most folks aren't half-minute shooters. But the gear is capable of it, and they can prove that. And, 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 and I totally agree with that. But I it just, is a warranty call that's going to have some frustration. It's got to be delicate. It how happens about all the time. you buy one of those guns, and it's not a half-minute shot, according to you, have a few people who shoot more often than you or one of your other buddies. That's dangerous, that a too. Shot. Because a lot of guys at the range want to commiserate with the guy and not have a confrontation. Um, I get, you know, this this blo- this dot is blurry in my, in my red dot sight. And I had five guys look at it, and they all say it's blurry. Get the optic in, and it's not blurry. Um, chances are all five of those guys had an astigmatism. And Almost everybody does. Most of them. Wanted to just make the guy feel better about his frustration. And it's easy for them to blame the gear. Right? So we walk them back through how we evaluate it, turn the brightness down, maybe add a little magnification to the setting like a 2X magnifier that we built for astigmatism, and it solves their problem. (laughs) But you have got to walk them through the education process of it, and rifle manufacturers are going to have to do the same thing. I just wonder when when this this half-minute guarantee is going to go away because they're tired of fielding the customer service calls. It won't go away because it's a great marketing <laughs> line that sells <laughs> rifles. And a lot of guys will shoot and be a minute and a half and think, well, I don't need to bring a, you know, have a confrontation conversation with a manufacturer. So they'll just sell the rifle to somebody else. And, and stop, you know, making fun of it because it's creating jobs. They need a lot of customer service people. <laughs> Matter of fact, I think I'm going to see the manufacturers double down on it. You probably will. And in five years, you'll see a quarter-minute guarantee come out of somebody. And I, th- and I think you're right. I, because still, and, and like, I, like I said earlier, it, so many shooters are, are casual. 
that they're going to go out and if if they shoot a minute and a half, they're they're like, eh, it's it's a minute of deer. That's good enough. That's good enough. The pie plate mentality. Mm-hmm. Yep, we hear see that all the time. Yep. So. Well, more and more shooters are out shooting more for fun and doing these little competitions. That's not something that happened 20 years ago. No, it's not. So you have more people who actually shoot. But we're kind of getting down to it. I will say this, that um, I have embarked on a journey that will help improve the marksmanship of shooters. Um, More to come on that as we get down that path. But... uh, until next week, I think we had a little bit of fun, and you guys keep blaming the gear. 